Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. And joining me today, I finally got a guest, so I'm not solo for the third episode in a <laughs> row. Uh, he is the host of the Game Over Winnipeg uh, uh, on SDPN Sports. Uh, it is the one and only Brady Chalice. Brady, thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's been a bit of a long day for me, but uh, can't you know can't complain too much. Obviously, Jets game yesterday was bit of a frustrating one but uh i'm having a good day so far and uh excited to be here and chat a little nhl with you yeah absolutely and uh what better way to kick off a long easter weekend the long weekend uh at least here where i in ontario with uh some hockey talk right and uh it's gonna be a busy weekend for the nhl as well because as you mentioned there was a huge game that happened last night and and there's definitely going to be a couple more big ones to keep our eyes on because of it and and let's just get right into that that playoff race you know i, I kind of said i want to bounce around and check out some of the playoff races well the whole western conference man it, it has been it is shaping up to be quite the uh quite the scene and uh Winnipeg Calgary they're they're fighting for the last wild card spot it is basically just them Nashville's technically in the race with 86 points in 77 games but it really feels like it is Jets and Calgary right now and uh yeah they the two play face off last night and I you know correct me if I'm wrong but I'm sure it probably felt like if the Jets could even take one point they'd be sitting all right as they do have a game in hand on Calgary um but if they would have won in regulation they would have been uh Definitely, I would imagine models swinging really heavily in their favor to make playoffs. But unfortunately for Jets fans, instead, the the Calgary Flames take two points, draw even in the standings at 89 points. But as I mentioned, the Jets do have an extra game to play. Um, so four left for that or three left for them and two left. No, sorry. Four left for the Jets, three left for the Flames. Um, you know, what were your emotions going into that game, watching the game? You know, do you do you feel... I mean, obviously, I think you naturally have to feel a little worse about their chances making the playoffs. But where are you at as a Jets fan about where they stand right now? Yeah, it was it was very interesting going into that game. Um, it, there was a lot of excitement around the team. Uh, if if for people who may not pay attention to the Jets, uh, they started off the season and at one point at, at 45 games into the season, they were the top team in the West Western Conference. They had the most wins uh, and I believe they were at the top of the standings. Uh, and since then, it has been awful. They have been one of the worst teams in the league since mid-January, for sure. And, uh, you know, coming into yesterday's game, um, the two games prior to that, the Jets finally found their their offensive touch. They switched up their lines. They found something that seemed like it was working. Uh, they beat the 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 Red Wings like 6-2. Uh, and then they played the Devils and beat them, I think, 6-1. I can't remember. They scored six goals, two straight games. And then one of those games was against the Devils, who are a legitimate, uh, a legitimately good team in the NHL. So coming into the, you know, the game against Calgary yesterday, um, Calgary played the night before against uh Chicago and lost. So uh, and the Jets were sitting on a, a, a nice little three-game rest you know on a wednesday game you haven't played since sunday uh there was a lot of hype around the you know a lot of excitement in in the in the city uh around the team and unfortunately you know a game where you can you know pretty much end uh you know the the playoff race in the west for that final western or the final wild card spot the jets just come up short uh like the the real like really when you look at it like statistically um if the Jets would have won yesterday's yesterday's game, even if it was an OT, even if they had let the the Flames get one point, their their percentage to make the playoffs, according to Money Puck, would have jumped up to ninety two percent. 
whereas now, and sorry, and if they beat them in regulation, 96% uh, rounding, of course. Uh, now they sit at 62%. So just, you know, just under two thirds chance to make it. So I'm still pretty confident and looking at the remaining games that the, um, I'm still pretty sorry. I'm still pretty confident, but looking at the remaining games for both teams, obviously the Jets do have a game in hand. But you know, looking at the Flames' schedule, they play the Canucks, who who mind you have been better uh, as of late. Uh, but they do play the Sharks and they do play the Predators. the The Jets instead they have four games. They play the Predators, which obviously will be a big matchup. The Sharks, who they've lost their last two games against, uh, <laughs> with their the the second game that they lost against them. Uh, the Sharks had only two wins in 16 games, and they were both against the Jets. Uh, so hopefully they can figure out how to score on James Reimer and 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 get the you know get a couple points that are needed in what should be an easier game. But then they finish off the season with Colorado and Minnesota, two teams who are going to be uh, you know fighting for the top of the Central. And so those guys won't be uh, resting players or anything like that. So. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough you know a tough road to the playoffs for the Jets even if the the you know the the percentages the analytics are are behind them likely making it uh, I will stay optimistic because I would love to go to some whiteout parties and have some fun in the playoffs uh, hosting on Game Over Winnipeg but they got to get there so uh, so unfortunately the Jets did uh, <laughs> fumble their chance to stomp out the Flames and now they gotta they gotta make up those that those lost points. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the remaining schedule because that's what I was just pulling up to look at as well. And, um, uh, you know, the Predators are actually more in this than I I maybe gave them credit for originally there. Um, You know, obviously they are still on the outside, like three points in five games is a lot to make up. But when you play both the Jets and Flames, that's a good starting point for the Predators Mm -hmm. at least. And then they also have the Wild and Avalanche and the Hurricanes. So that is a tough five game stretch for them. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, pretty similar. Uh, Obviously, Calgary has Vancouver, but um, you know, that, that's going to be the disappointing thing, I think, for the uh, Jets fan base. But also, I think just, you know, why hockey such a great sport is Calgary mm-hmm. went through that same disappointment on, a night earlier where, yeah, they drop a game to the Chicago Blackhawks, who just actively want to lose as many games as <laughs> like, you just you cannot be dropping must win games to the Chicago Blackhawks with two games left in the in the season right so or um, mm-hmm. two weeks left in the season I, sh- I should say um, but yeah so both teams have definitely had some ups and downs this week and I, I think it'll uh, be more than fair to say that uh, if I told you this came down to the last game of of both teams seasons it might not be surprising so um, it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out Um the other thing I want to kind of bring up with you too, as, as a Jets fan is, you know, so let's say, because the way I was looking at it the other week too, is when I was trying to figure out which team I'd rather see in the playoffs. And I kind of, I think I caught, tossed a coin and I kind of said the flames, but it was half-heartedly because I didn't really know. And the reason I let lean the flames is I went, okay, who's going to make a better round one matchup. It, it looks like it'll be the Pacific that whoever gets this final wildcard team will be playing. So that'll be either the Oilers or golden or golden Knights who we'll get to uh, in a little bit. And for some reason, I, I still keep seeing like the years when a disaster for the flames, but I still keep seeing like, well, the upside's there. Like I know, like Huberto's got me, he's got to be better than this. And, and Uyghur's been better and Markstrom's been so bad, right? Where it's like, maybe they could turn it around. But, you know, you look at it from the Winnipeg side of things and they have the ultimate equalizer, obviously, in Connor Hellebuck for, for a series. And I think, you know, 
people who listen to this podcast are probably aware of how much this podcast respects and loves Connor Hellebuck. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, outside of that, and obviously that is a very big factor, which why, you know, Jets fans should be confident about any seven game series that they're entering. You know, how would you feel against either? I mean, you know, obviously you can't be picky. It's just about making the playoffs at this point. But do you think the Jets would be a better matchup for the Oilers or for the Golden Knights? And, you know, what what are some strong points outside of Hellebuck that, you know, maybe other teams wouldn't see and could be uh, a dark horse for a, a sneaky playoff run for this team? Yeah, I looking at both those teams, it's funny. The Jets do have some some playoff history with both of them. Uh, more recently, the the Oilers played uh, um, or the Jets played the Oilers in the uh, in the Canadian division bubble series. And that oh, man, like that was one of the most fun series I've ever watched as a fan and kind of half covered when I was doing a, a different podcast at the time. Um, that series was incredible. And, and we saw. It was so funny. There was so tons of memes that came out about Neil Pionk shutting down uh, Connor McDavid. But uh, in today's today in in twenty twenty three, that is a matchup that does scare me. Um, I think that you know, looking at the Oilers, the only thing really that I, I look at them and see you know a weakness is is their goaltending. But uh, they, I I like what they did at the at the trade deadline in regards to bringing in uh, Matthias Ekholm. Uh, I'm pretty they rented out a little bit also on the forward side of things, if I remember correctly. Uh, oh yeah, Nick Bukestad, uh, maybe some others. I can't remember, but um, but I would say I would be much more scared of the of the Oilers just because you know Connor McDavid is is just an, an animal. I, I obviously I don't even even need to say that. Everyone already knows that's implied. Um, but I just I I would not uh, I wouldn't be super happy playing against them because I, I would be worried about what McDavid could do. Obviously, he maybe maybe he remembers that series. Uh, against the Jets, and that maybe gives him a little extra fuel to, to you know, go all out against the Jets. Um, but when I look at the Golden Knights, um, like that's a team where you know they they constantly get injuries. Uh, they they uh, it's they're such an uh, an off or not a uh, I can't even say an an odd team. Like uh, the one thing I look at there is I I do not have a ton of confidence in Jonathan Quick. Uh, however, I am not too up to date as how he's been on the uh, on the Golden Knights. Um, so I personally look at the Golden Knights and I I would personally love to see the Jets play them just because uh, there's there's a little bit of animosity uh, of this team towards the Golden Knights. You know, if you go back to the the one the one playoff run that the Jets uh, and Jets fans always talk about is the 2018 run. Uh, where you know most analysts were pegging us for the Stanley Cup uh, Finals and potentially winning the, the whole thing, uh, and then Mark Andre Fleury just absolutely s- shuts everything down and uh, and kind of brings that playoff run to an end. So obviously he's not with the Golden Knights anymore, but uh, I, I still would love to see the team play against uh, the Golden Knights and maybe try to. Uh, you know, redeem that series, I guess. Obviously, it was five years ago that series happened. So, uh, but but there are still a lot of players on this team who were in that series and likely have, you know, some sort of fuel. Again, it's the same thing with I was saying about Connor McDavid is I'm sure there's guys like Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, uh, Josh Morrissey, all these guys who remember that series and make sure that they, you know, th- that might light a bit more of a fire under their ass. And uh, and to to finish off with your, you know, what what could potentially happen if the Jets do make playoffs? Um, I'm a little more optimistic uh, about their playoff. You know, it, if they make it into the playoffs, 
Uh, I think I'm a little more optimistic than I am just about any other game right now. The biggest issue with the Jets has been, in my opinion, effort. Like, it just feels like the team is not uh, reaching the expectations that we should have for them. Um, And it just feels like they're not giving it. They're all... I don't know. You, you you know all the all the rumors around with PLD, with Mark Shifley, with Blake Wheeler, all these guys who've had kind of a bit of a bit of extra stuff, uh, you know, outside of hockey, um, or sorry, outside of actually playing hockey. Uh, that is is kind of I guess weighing on them. It's 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 definitely you can tell that it's, it's a thing, right? Um, but I think that you know if they do make it into the playoffs, you get to a point where hey, we're here. Let's, you know, let's do it. And this, maybe that's the thing that lights a, a fire under them and actually gets them to start playing well. Uh, again, like I said, they have played better as of late. Um, and at the end of the day, man, Connor Hellebuck is is a crazy drug. Uh, the, the Jets have been have been high off of Connor Hellebuck for for many, many years. And he has uh, been the 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 biggest patch uh, in, you know, the defensive in the defense for the Jets is that he will always be in behind uh, available to uh, stop whatever uh, he can. Uh, so I, I I personally think that the Jets could potentially win around, but I'm not crazy optimistic because I also am, you know, I look at this team and they frustrate me so much. So it, it all it all has to do with if once they are in the playoffs, the fire lights under them, maybe some different, uh, some choices of, of, depo- of, of deployment, but I won't even get into that. Um, but I do think that if the everything falls correctly, the Jets could win a round or two. Is that likely? I would say probably not. But you never know. A goalie is crazy. Yeah, they're definitely going to be underdogs in no matter what series they enter. But I mean, yeah, Connor Hellebuck versus any of Jack Campbell, Stuart Skinner, Jonathan Quick, who has an 895 in Vegas this year, by the way, in nine games, um, or Logan Thompson, who I think would be the starter for Vegas. I mean, Logan Thompson's having a great year, but again, he's a 24-year-old who's finally putting up his first good year of his his career, right? Like your Connor Hellebuck is going to be way favored over that. So that would be the big equalizer. But I, I would still have to imagine it'd probably be about probably close to 60, 40 in terms of whoever they're playing. And uh yeah, you know, I, I think I agree with you where I, I think if you're whoever is in that eighth seed. And it's funny because I, I kind of feel the same way about the flames where it's like, there's so much drama surrounding them. It almost feels like it's a massive distraction for them. But if you can make it into the playoffs and say, okay, we don't care what's happening this summer. Let's just go balls to the wall for a couple months. They could be able to pull an upset, but it just seems so weird saying that to be like, Oh yeah, well, they're not sure how hard they're going to try or how much passion they have for the next three games, but after that, they'll be good, right? So, um, but the other reason I think it is fair to say you'd almost rather the Golden Knights, the Edmonton Oilers have been quietly the best team in the NHL in the past month and a bit. Uh, since March first, they are fifteen two and one. Um, they are, I believe, anyways, they are on a W six. 9-0-1 in their last 10, and I believe they've won like 11 of their last 12. Like, they are on fire, and I feel like not enough people are talking about it, and obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl are a massive part of that. But as you said, I really like what Matias Ekholm has done for this team in terms of even just giving a guy like Darnell Nurse a little easier of a role where he doesn't need to be the stud number one defenseman. He can slot into a more proper role of two, three, and it just bumps everyone down. And then, you know, Jack Campbell's been an absolute gas can this year, but if they can get Stuart Skinner to just (laughs) give them average goaltending, like they just look like such a dangerous team. 
Yeah, I the yeah the Edmonton Oilers are are scary. They're scary good, and uh, I think the Jets. I can't remember how the game went when they played against them, uh, just after the the trade deadline had passed. But oh, we had a, we had a double back to back with them. Uh, regardless, they are insane. Um, and yeah, Matias Ekholm is uh, that was a guy who last year I was hoping the Jets would trade for. Uh, in hindsight, I'm glad they didn't because maybe timing wise things might not have worked out uh with with everything that's going on here and uh but yeah like it, it's it is ridiculous what Connor mcdavid can do and and obviously everyone else around them uh and when you know when Stuart skinner you know plays well uh, he's he's not a bad goalie in my opinion I, I i've i've liked him for a while now and i think he will eventually turn out to be a, a good starting goalie um but yeah, the the Oilers are are on a crash course to beat whoever they are in the first round, the second round. I could see them going very far this uh, this year in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I, I think you know for as much talk as how top heavy the East is, you know the the West is very good as well. Where um, you know even LA I think is kind of sneaky quietly good. Um, oh yeah, Corsalo's been pretty solid for them since since he went over, and they got a really good roster that I don't think uh, gets enough respect maybe at some times. And then you got the Central Division, which is just man, if people want to watch some good hockey down the stretch, Avalanche Stars Wild. All with 98 points. The Avalanche have 76 games played. The Stars and Wild have 77. So the Avs are technically in first. But uh, the Avs down the stretch have the Sharks, the Kings, the Oilers, the Ducks, uh, the Jets, and the Preds left. So um, they don't actually play either of Minnesota or Dallas. Uh, And then Dallas has Philly the Golden Knights, the Red Wings, and then the Blues twice. So that's a not a difficult schedule, I would definitely say. Uh, and then the Minnesota Wild have finished off their year with the Penguins tonight, the Blues, the Blackhawks, the Jets, and the Predators. So um, that's going to be another really interesting one to watch because obviously not only are you battling for home ice, but you're battling to see who plays the Seattle Kraken, essentially, who are um, at this point five points ahead of both the Flames and Jets, but also six points behind the LA Kings. And um, I, I think it is more than fair to say with even with you know how good Seattle's looked and there have been a fun surprise this year uh you would much rather play Seattle than any of Colorado Dallas or um Minnesota if you're those three teams oh certainly yeah I I have no idea how this is going to shake out down the stretch uh because as you said they don't really play each other but um you know they're all stuck together at 98 points the one thing that I will say is I think everyone kind of generally looks at the avalanche and go you know they're probably the rightful owners of that top spot and then just the fact that they have an extra you know an extra game in hand adds uh you know adds to that um i would be very surprised not very surprised i would be surprised if it was anyone other than the uh than the avalanche at the top um but i it, otherwise i would think it would be dallas i i don't really see minnesota uh doing it was it dallas you said had the the weaker schedule yeah, Dallas got the Blues twice, the Red Wings, and the Flyers. Oh, so yeah, that's that's a that's a cakewalk. Then. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the the Wild have the Penguins tonight, who are fighting for their playoff lives. We'll mm-hmm. get to them. The Blackhawks is a, should be. I mean, can't rule anything out as Calgary said, but theoretically, the Blues and Blackhawks should be both easy games. And then you have the Jets and Preds. Uh, Preds that might depend. They might be out at that point as well, but uh, the Jets will obviously be a very tough battle as well because they'll be fighting for the playoff lives. But uh, I'm honestly just impressed with what Minnesota's been able to do. Considering, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Kaprasov has missed 
a good chunk of the last month or two uh, with an injury. And they've just been still floating around, like just right on the, if you would have told me halfway through the year that they were going to finish, you know, a point away from the division lead, I, I would have been like, especially with how slow they started this year, I would have been like, yeah, I don't believe you, but um, they, they've just been absolutely chugging along. And I don't, maybe now I'm looking, Capistrano's got 65 games played, so he hasn't missed as much time as I thought. But, uh, you know, I, I really thought maybe they would be a team that would, I think, finish third in this division, but I thought they'd mm-hmm. be a lot closer to the Jets than they would the top two teams. Yeah, it's especially when, you know, going back to like mid-February, uh, they were a team that was kind of brokering deals for other teams. It, they, they didn't seem like they were going to be a team really... Uh, in the hunt, uh, well, not in the hunt necessarily, but you know, in the hunt for that top spot in the central. Uh, but since then, they've been really, really good. And as you said, I believe Kaprizov still is out, uh, or at least has yeah. been out for a while now. March, March eighth, uh, and then he's supposed to return next week, according to this report. So, yeah, and like that is far and away their best player. Um, but they've got a good team like all around and, you know, they did end up adding eventually at the trade deadline. I like they added like Oscar Sundquist. Uh, oh, John Klingberg, I guess was, was their in quotes, big ad. Um, not sure how much he sways the needle these days, but, uh, and then even Gustav Nyquist. So in general, just adding, you know, a couple players, uh, even though it kind of looked like they were going to be, uh, a team that wasn't really going for it. Um, you know it's really worked out for them. And, and I'm sure that those guys have really helped out in, uh, in kind of making up for uh, Kaprizov being uh, injured. Uh, hopefully he comes back and is the same player as he was before. Hopefully they don't rush him back because uh, that's, you know, one of the premier players in this league and uh, is very fun to watch despite the fact that he constantly beats up on my Winnipeg jets. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do expect the wild to, to be a, a tough team in, in the playoffs, but uh, you know, if they're going up a, a team like, uh, sorry, if they're going up against a team like Dallas or Colorado, eventually, uh, I, I, I don't see them going too, too far, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're such an interesting team, especially with all their, you know, cap shenanigans, uh, that they've got going on from those buyouts. Um, and this kind of feels like maybe one of the last few years that they'll be able to kind of run what they have as this general core, obviously they'll have cappers off still in the future, but uh, guys like, isn't Matt Dumba a UFA at the end of the season, yep. I believe. Um, and then they've got all those, uh, all those guys or all those, uh, geez, what are they called? The, um, the buyout penalties that are kicking in more and more each year. Yeah. They had a really weird deadline in terms of like, they had to trade away or not had to, but like they traded away Jordan Greenway because mm-hmm. he made $3 million and he was a guy they didn't feel they could keep under their cap next year at $3 million for a 27 year old. And so like, yeah, they did like a little bit of selling then randomly retained some money for other like broker deals with other teams and got picks for retaining money. And then, yeah, turn around and was like, no, we're actually going to buy a couple guys as well. And Oscar Sunquist and uh, um, Ryan Reeves is on this team again, which I always forget about. Um, <laughs> like, I th- that's just not an I can't believe he's still in the league to be honest, but uh, he's still kicking around. Um, and uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, just some of the other guys that they picked up with it, it just kind of made for a, a really weird deadline, but um, 
Yeah, Matt Dumba and John Klingberg. I mean, John Klingberg they traded for, but Dumba's up this year. Klingberg's will be up this year. The real question I'm going to see that's going to be curious going into next year is Philip Gustafson as an RFA. And uh, I'm going to be really interested to see what they do with him because, A, I like I think they're just going to have to bridge him because, B, A, I don't think you can afford to gamble that this year is legit. That would just be uh, um, not understanding how goaltending or regression works, I don't think. But, B, they just don't have the money. Even if they think Philip Gustafson is legit of legit, they don't have the money to give him like a six-year, $5 million deal. So I, I would see probably a bridge of some kind, like a – one year, $2 million, maybe a two year, two and a half million dollar deal and say, all right, prove it for another year or two. But uh, um, we want to talk about how good this team has been. Philip Gustafson sporting a 932 save percentage in 36 games is a huge part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you consider the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury has been less than stellar uh, and, you know, in, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I'm sure they're looking back at, at the, you know, the fact that they gave him more than just this year and they're kind of regretting it. And that likely will, you know, hold them to making sure that they have to uh, bridge Gustafson. But uh, but also at the same time, you know, having to bridge Gustafson, as you point out, is not a bad thing necessarily, you know, make him prove it. Uh, you know, if you really believed in him, then then right like right now, then maybe you could try to get him under uh, a bit of a longer deal for uh, a cheaper price. But uh, but, you know, one season of of full on success, while I personally, you know, from what at least from what I've heard, and I guess you're the you're the ex, you're the Ottawa guy. He's an ex Ottawa player. Uh, I thought he had decent potential. So uh, also, I'm just curious, what was what was your thought on that trade at the time? Uh, and especially now, how do you feel about it? <laughs> I never saw this at the time. That's for sure. Like, I, I honestly, I think it's definitely more than fair to say it was short-sighted by the senators to make it at the time. That being said, I also wasn't torn up. I really thought Gustafson would, you know, level out as uh, a good one B in this league, mm-hmm. not a guy I would never, if you told me he put up a nine thirty, and, and some of it is the Minnesota system. Obviously they have a, a good habit of making their goalies look good. And, and you know, that's what's happening in Ottawa a lot right now is the, this would have never happened in Ottawa. It's like, okay. Yeah. But Cam Talbot was a gas can all year. So he couldn't have been worse, but yeah, no, like he definitely, he was a prospect. I liked all the way up two years ago in that Canadian division. He was really good down the stretch. And then they just, for whatever reason, they never trust a 20-something-year-old goalie. So they go get another guy to replace him. He comes up mid last year, just doesn't look good, looks shaky at times. Like, he really did look bad last year. So they go, well, there's no possible way we can go in with him again. So trade him away, even after seeing some of that potential. And obviously, you're seeing the extreme upside again. I don't, you know, I'm not not a goaltender whisperer at all. I still think that his more likely outcome is one B really good one B type of guy in the NHL, which is still a very useful asset to have, but I wouldn't be, he's not a guy who I think you're going to get 45 plus starts out of every year, putting up nine twenty two save percentage or whatever. But he does look a lot better if it was, if it, it but it does look a lot better if it's Anton Forsberg and uh, Phil Gustafson than it is. Uh, UFA Andrew. Cam Talbot. who yeah, I was asking for $5 million if he get into his 36 year old season. Who also wasn't he injured for most of the season too? Yeah, he like, so he got injured like three separate times for like ten days apiece, and or like not even ten days, sometimes a month. Like yeah, he was injured three or four. It was it was just not a good season for him. But that's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. That that's one of the ones that sting a little. Like I've already said, and obviously, again, I don't think it was near as bad at the time. Um, it wasn't good at the time, but. 
I've already said this could be worse than the Matt Duchesne trade. Um, just, you know, looking how, honestly, like Bowen Byram's a good player, but speak about another guy who can never stay healthy to save his life, unfortunately. Um, you know, if, if this ends up, Gustafson ends up being a guy who is a routine 40-plus game starter at a really good pace, that that's a tough thing to give up for 30 games of me- mediocre Cam Talbot. Like, yeah, that is tough. That <laughs> is tough for sure. Um, um, this do you have anything job. else on the wild? Not really. No, uh, I'll be honest with you. No, I don't. <laughs> it's... Uh, they're 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 an interesting team. They play a good system, but uh, I I would say you know second round max in my opinion. Maybe if if if, if everything lines up correctly, uh, but I would say yeah, second round max. I don't I don't see them getting past who either Dallas or Colorado because you know like Dallas is has really been clicking. Uh, man, Jason Jason Robertson's insane. Joe Pavelski is an ageless wonder. And uh, and Jay Gottinger is is the next, uh, you know, the next superstar goalie in this league already is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't like their odds, the Wilds odds against uh, a team like that. And then Colorado is Colorado. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. I, I think, you know, they are team. They out of the three teams absolutely need to make the first the one seed the most in terms of, you know, boosting your odds to win into the next round. Um, but, yeah, I think. If you, if you told me they upset one of Dallas or Colorado, I could maybe see it in, you know, a seven game series or whatever, but I, I don't see them beating both back to back. You know, obviously, like it's not absolutely out of the question, but it, they would be um, the underdogs in both those series for sure, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Can't 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 agree more. All right, well, let's switch to the East, but first I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at, at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is an effortless daily habit that is easy to make work for you. However you choose to drink, AG1 is the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. AG1 tastes great and feels even better. Harvested from farms around the world, AG1's ingredients shine in a subtly sweet taste with notes of pineapple and a hint of vanilla. Simply follow the link in the show description to get started today. All right, on to the Eastern Conference, and uh, this one's definitely not as open as the West, but uh, still some some races to watch down down the stretch here. Um, you know, in the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins have been known to win the, the division and the President's Trophy since November, basically. So it's uh, not a shock to see that they are a staggering 23 points up on the Maple Leafs right now, who have 102 points themselves, just to like put out how certain like the Leafs would be first in the West right now now uh if they were playing oh no sorry i guess the golden knights and oilers have uh, one and two more points but like that's how good the leafs have been and the bruins are 23 points up um it looks like a pretty much guarantee that the maple leafs are going to get home ice against the lightning as well uh they're up uh six points right now lightning have three games left maple leafs have four uh the leafs do play the bruins and lightning so you know not an easy test all the way down the road and the Panthers um, but the, and the Rangers and then the Canadians. So it's definitely a hard end for the Maple Leafs, but uh, I'd be a little surprised, I think, if they, you know, didn't clinch out home ice on, on those five games. Um, they've just been too good of a team not to get a couple points there. Um, but the real race is in the wild card. Uh, the Florida Panthers have worked themselves back into a playoff spot. They are tied with the Islanders for both wildcard one and two with 87 points in 78 games for both of them. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins sit there at 86 points in 78 games, one point behind, uh, obviously three teams for two spots. It's going to come down to these three teams at the end of the year. Um, Give me right away. Which two teams do you think are going to make it? If I'm going to put you on the spot here. 
If you're going to put me on the spot here, um, hmm. I, <laughs> my, my, my personal bias makes me want to say the Islanders and the Penguins just because of Paul Maurice. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at it, I, I think it's probably going to shake out as it kind of is sitting currently where uh, Florida has been playing better as of late. Uh, the Islanders uh, have been so much better since getting Bo Horvat. Uh, that's a deal that, you know, you can look back on and, uh, you know, dis- despite the long-term effects of both the contract and, uh, and, you know, getting yourself to just barely get into the playoffs instead of, you know, maybe taking a step back in the, in one of the years where the draft is one of the best it's ever been. Um, I, I, I do believe it will be, you know, Florida and the Islanders, but you know, you can never, never discount the Penguins, especially when there's, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, like they're, they're decently healthy right now. Are they not? Or is Tristan Jari still? I think Jari's back. Yeah. Now I I think they have a, a full roster. Yeah, well, if, if Jari's back, then you know you never know because really there's like they're only one point behind, uh, and they've all got the same amount of games uh, played. So um, I guess you could look then at the the tiebreaker. Is it it's regulation overtime wins yeah. still right? Uh, so right now they're pretty the 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 Panthers and the Islanders are tied at thirty eight, and the Penguins at thirty seven. So uh, I think odds on it's it's likely more likely that the the Panthers and Islanders will. Um, but I also don't know their schedules. I have um, them right here for you. Perfect. That's so what I, I was hoping you were doing. <laughs> this is why I'm I I think I, I feel the same way as you as the Panthers and Islanders are both, in my opinion, playing better hockey. I mean, the Panthers aren't on W4. They've been rolling since they lost to Ottawa a week and a half ago. But uh, here's the schedule. So the Islanders have the Tampa Bay Lightning, Philadelphia Flyers, Washington Capitals, Montreal Canadiens. Not a very tough road ahead um, for them. You know, Montreal's trying to lose as many games as they can. Washington kind of doing the same. They're out of it. Obviously, we know Philly's not a good team. Uh, and so the, their toughest one is the Lightning, who they play tonight. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins then have the Minnesota Wild, who they play tonight, the Detroit Red Wings, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, Chicago is getting two of the three worst teams in the league to end their season. And then Detroit, who I think is either mathematically eliminated. Yeah, they're they're mathematically eliminated now. So they don't have a ton to play for either, other than being spoilers. The Florida Panthers have the Ottawa Senators tonight, Washington Capitals, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Carolina Hurricanes. So definitely the hardest. The one caveat might be there. If Toronto does get two points in the next couple games, that'll be home ice wrapped up. Who knows Mm -hmm. how much they'll actually be playing for. Carolina could be in the same boat, and we'll get to them in a second. And honestly, I think really likely will be in the same boat. So there is a chance that Toronto and Carolina are resting guys, and that game doesn't mean much for them. So honestly, with that intact, like it's more even than you think, but it's definitely fair to say that Pittsburgh and the Islanders have easier schedules than the Florida Panthers here. Yeah. I, I count, I was with my fingers. I, I count three should, you know, likely wins for both Florida and Pittsburgh. Uh, wait, sorry, Florida and Pittsburgh, right? Or who? who no, no, um, sorry. I, the Islanders and Pittsburgh, my yeah. bad. Uh, and yeah, Florida, like I, I, I know the whole resting thing and, you know, maybe not playing for anything, but you know, the team still like, you know, want to win. And, uh, especially, you know, if you get your top guys are maybe sitting out, you get a little bit of elevation uh, from your your bottom guys, and they might have a fire under their ass to kind of prove something that they can take on more minutes. Uh, so I wouldn't discount 
uh, both the Leafs and the Hurricanes, especially not the Hurricanes. Like, uh, there's no way Rod Brindamore is letting his team go out there and just lay a muffin, right? Um, so I would be, you know, I would not necessarily, uh, you know, say that those are going to be easy games by the, no. by any stretch. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I I look at that and and my my opinion is starting to sway. You know, I. I do have faith very much in in the Penguins. Like as far as these three teams go, I think that that's the one team where I look at and I go, uh, if I had to take one of those three teams in a, in a win one game right now, um, in order to get into the playoffs, it would be them. Then the Islanders probably next, just because they're they are the prototypical, uh, you know, playoff team, uh, as as we always say. And then you know, Florida is just such an an odd team. Like they, they are just such a weird team this year. Matt Kachuk is insane. Um, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, I, I got to remember who, who's all injured at the moment. I know that they, you know, Aaron Eckblad was injured earlier in the season. I think Barkov was for a bit too, I believe. Yeah. Spencer Knight's um, not injured, but he's in the player assistance program. So right. He's missed half the year. So it's been Poprosky and Alex Lyon or Leon is actually who has been carrying the weight over this winning streak for them, which is, which is crazy. The one thing I would say, maybe I would take the Islander and I definitely, you can't bet against Sid in a, in a win one game, but mm-hmm. the Islanders could boast that they have the best goalie over the past two years in Ilya Sorokin yeah. right now. And that is an underrated factor of why I would want to avoid the Islanders much like how I wouldn't want to play Hellebuck in a seven game series. I wouldn't want to be playing Ilya Sorokin either because he has been just unreal uh, over the past two years, really, but especially this year. Yeah, he he upsets me as 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 a Jets fan who likes to always bang the drum for Hellebuck as the best goalie in the league because um, he he's the he's the one guy who kind of I feel like the Islanders have a very similar bit to the Jets where they will get outshot a decent amount of times. Uh, and therefore their goalie, uh, who is very good, is just going to rack up uh, those goals saved above expected. And uh, whenever I want to go, you'll, you know, earlier in the season yelling about how uh, Hellebuck should get the Vesna this year. Uh, maybe not anymore, of course. Uh, but there was always Sorokin sitting at the top there with, you know, just a couple more, a couple more goals saved above expected. And uh, he, he is nuts. Like that goalie is insane. It's him, him and Ottinger are like the two next uh, you know, next coming of of the next, you know, or sorry, the next generation of goalies that are gonna just carry their teams into the playoffs. Um, not that Dallas needs to be carried into the playoffs, but uh, I would say the Islanders before Bo Horvat uh definitely did because they could not score. Oh, that team uh, luckily sucked. They, <laughs> like... Yeah, luck, luckily they've they've found a little bit of scoring since then. Uh, it seems like Barzal and 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 Horvat seem to like playing uh with each other. Um. But yeah, I I definitely have the most confidence in uh in in not in the Panthers but in the Islanders and the Penguins. But I guess you know four games four games uh four games can shake out any which way. So you never really know. Um, it'll be interesting to see, especially with all the potential sittings and you know the the games that we you know probably considered a schedule win. Uh, but that's not always how they go, uh, as both the Flames and the Jets will tell you. Yeah, I, I think the Panthers may have the best roster top to bottom in terms of skill, uh, but it hasn't all come together. I, I still think the Penguins have the best roster when it comes to high-end 
especially clutch talent, if you will. You know, I, I know that's kind of hard to measure, but with Sidney Crosby of Kenny Malkin, like they've been there, done that. And then, yeah, the Islanders have by far away the best goalie of the three. So, you know, they all kind of have something that they can kind of hang on to. And the, the one thing that is funny, and, and I'm glad you brought it up about the Islanders and their, you know, and, and Sorokin's goals against or expected goals against and everything is everyone still thinks this is those boring Barry Trotz team from a couple of years ago. It, it's not. They've given up the ninth most shot attempts uh, per 60 this year and the ninth most course are uh, expected goals against per 60 this year as well. So they're slightly below average defensively. And, you know, they, they do give up a, a bunch of shot attempts. And I think that's smart because, you know, Obviously, it's to a degree that you can do that, but we saw it with the Rangers and Shesterkin last year. He was so hot. They knew that they could just let him take 40 shots a game and they would be more than okay. Is that a long-term strategy to win every year? Probably not. But is it going to, if you need it for four games or whatever, or down the stretch, and you can count on your goalie, which, again, there's only four or five of them you can routinely count on to do that. Sure, I, I you know, like go for it. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think... I, I probably prefer to see the Penguins and Panthers in over the Islanders. I, the Islanders just don't inspire me at all. Um, you know, maybe with the Sorokin factor, maybe I'm be a little more willing to watch them that they play a little more up down pace, but like, I don't know. The Islanders killed my love of watching hockey in a couple of those conference finals for a few years. So I kind of just hate them for it. Counterpoint though, counterpoint. If the Islanders make it in and they are the, the second wild card, they would play Boston of these three teams, who do you think has the best chance against Boston, would you say? In my opinion, it might be the Islanders, like ge- genuinely. Like if, if there's any team that can, uh, you know, it, you know, obviously it's not a Barry Trotz team anymore, but they, they uh, at least for the longest time, have been the prototypical uh, playoff team where you never expect them to do much and then they always get a little bit further than you expect, um, you know, maybe – Actually, I don't. I don't even know. I, I would probably say the Islanders are of those teams, the, the one that would have the most, uh, you know, potential to beat Boston, in my opinion. Um, but I think that just has to come down to the way that they play, and obviously, a goalie can save your life. You never know. Um, what What do you think about that? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I think with Sorokin, it's definitely fair. Just because, again, he's it's much like Hellebuck. He's such a difference maker. Where. I think I agree. I do think style matchup, though, Florida could give Boston a little bit of an issue just in terms of Boston does like to muck it up. But if Florida can use their high end and Florida's run and gun as they come, like they are second in the league in expected goals per 60, first in the league in Corsi four per 60. Like they are all offense all the time. And I don't know if like, I think that's a very boomer bust strategy, but when mm-hmm. you're playing a team that's probably going to finish 130 points or something stupid like that on the air, I think you almost are okay to just lean into the boomer bust, right? And go all offense, yeah. like try and take the speed to them, see if they can keep up. And, and I'm not saying Boston couldn't, but I, I just kind of wonder if, yeah, Florida could get, use their speed, try and you know, just go all offense all the time and really, take Boston maybe by surprise in game one and two, and then you're working from with the lead and hope they get flustered. Again, it's a bit of a long shot, but I think all three of these teams would be rightfully long shots against the Bruins. Yeah. I also, uh, I also would love to see a Matt Kachuk versus Brad Marchand series. Yes. Like that, that is, that is prime. Oh, round one. Oh, why, why do, why do we have the best matchups in round one all the time? Like, why can't we have the fun matchups later on in the road? Um, but that would be, that would be a very, very fun uh, uh, series to see those two guys trying to piss the other teams off and each other off uh, all series. But 
uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. And I, I think Pittsburgh is the one where if they were to play Boston, I very clearly would look at that and go, they're they're not going to beat them. As much as I, I respect Sid and everything like that, in a seven-game series, I just don't think they have enough to get it done uh, on the defensive end. Uh, I, you know, Tristan Jari can be a, a pretty decent goalie, but uh, gets injured easily, so you never know what can happen there. And uh, Sid and Malkin and Latang, all these guys are on the wrong side of 30. Uh, on the wrong side of almost like 35 now. Jeez. Um, so, you know, the their their prime is certainly uh, gone. But uh, I am very interested to see if they are able to make it in. Because haven't they like not missed the playoffs since like... Well, it's got to be I don't know. Crosby's second year, right? Since the last time they missed the playoffs? Probably. Like 07, I would assume. Yeah, like <laughs> it's been forever. And uh, it, it would be a, a changing of, of the guard. Kind of almost, almost like when... Uh, when uh when the Red Wings uh lost their like twenty five year playoff uh, uh streak and then immediately after that it was like all right well we're tearing it down I don't think that that would happen in Pittsburgh just because they've kind of given the money out to uh to all those guys for like a couple more years and just kind of running it back with what they can um but it would definitely feel like uh oh you know this the time is coming to an end sooner than later yeah absolutely I I completely agree and it it's uh especially. I almost feel like it would be like the Red Wings too, where it's like in in the very similar way where the Red Wings made the playoffs the year before they snapped the streak, obviously. And, but they just limped in like they should, they they were the eighth seed. And I want to say they just got absolutely smoked by the lightning in that round, like just a four Oh, or maybe it was a five games here, but it was so painfully obvious. The time was coming to an end. This team needs to rebuild. And they're like, no, 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 we got one more year. We got one more year. And then they miss the playoffs. Right. So I, I I feel like that would be the same with Pittsburgh, where if they make the playoffs this year, get just dummy by the Bruins in five, they would be like, no, let's give it one more shot. We still got it or whatever. Yeah. Even with the money that they just gave to Malkin, Latang, and Crosby. Whereas, yeah, last summer was probably the time to make a decision. And and honestly, like as weird as it sounds, they were uh, not having to play, was it Zach? Co- who, no, who came in as their third string goalie on the, he had the oh. broccoli and dumplings or whatever. Uh, oh, I, I know who you're talking about and I just can't think of it. Yeah, oh, no. but, but they, they were uh, whoever that was performance away from beating the Rangers who went to the conference final that year. Right. So um, I, I understand why they made a look at it and been like, well, we make the right moves. Um, we can go the long way, but I just I, I don't know. They clearly. Oh, Louis Domingue. That's who it was. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> that's, um, that's the guy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's they, coming they clearly, to an end. Yeah, exactly. They, they they clearly just kind of, you know, didn't make the right moves. I, I don't understand their trade deadline this year. You know, it's Mikel Granlin that they brought in just it doesn't fit this team at all. It's not what they needed. Jeff Carter doesn't look good. Like, it, it's just a bunch of old dudes in their bottom six and their bottom six plays like it. They don't get any production from it. Weren't uh, was it wasn't the coach or so, someone was saying uh, that Mikel Granlin was getting an elevated role because of his d- uh, defensive uh, presence <laughs> and and everyone every single penguins fan was like what <laughs> what do you mean this guy this guy doesn't do anything in the defensive zone <laughs> um yeah it, it, it maybe not the right targets to go for and uh hey i mean hey they also went for jt miller too yeah. and they that that barely fell through uh just because they couldn't move soccer but uh imagine imagine the 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 shake that it would have been if uh if they traded for jt miller it was like two firsts 
they had on the table for him. At least like, I would respect that more almost. Like, I know that would be a horrible thing long term for them, but at yeah. least like I could see the upside of that giving you another legit scoring threat for this year. Cause I think it has been overstated, you know, like obviously mm-hmm. the Miller contract's going to be a disaster. It hasn't even kicked in yet and they want out of it. But like, as if you're a team like Pittsburgh that only cares about this year and probably next year, JT Miller is still probably fine value if you just ignore the back six, seven years of that contract, right? But Going and getting Mikel Granley, who also has two years left, I want to say, on his contract at like four something a clip. It's like, well, what are you doing? And also, I, I was, I think it was the PDO cast I was listening to. Someone brought up that they gave up Jared McCann in the expansion draft because they didn't feel they could keep him under their salary cap. It's like, well, you're basically paying Granlin the same amount you're paying McCann, except he's way worse and can't play defense. And McCann's scoring like 38 goals in a season. Or like even Jeff Carter, like there, there are so many guys yeah. on that team that are so much more expendable. And it's very funny, too, that, that that JT Miller trade didn't happen just because they couldn't trade Jason Zucker, who like, I mean, I, I don't know what the, you know, the the underlyings are on him. But I've always thought he's kind of a little bit of an underrated scorer. Um, and it, it's just it's just so weird that that guy just can't find a place where he's not wanted to be traded out of Minnesota. Tried trading him for so many years. They finally trade him. Uh, he gets to Pittsburgh and then, you know, after one or two years, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you're 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 on the way out so we can trade for this guy who's going to for sure 100 uh, percent ruin any future prospect we have of of uh, of rebuilding. Uh, or at least I, I guess at that point, it doesn't really matter if you're paying a guy a little bit too much. Uh, but who knows? Whatever. I, I, I think it would have been at least fun. And and I do agree with you in the sense of that. Um adding an extra score like it, it it would just go it would just be like doubling down on the if we have Crosby and Malkin we're going for it yeah. mantra that they kind of had um which in all honesty I kind of respect I I definitely do respect that I'm not saying it would have been the smartest thing but it would have been better than what they did is all I'm Absolutely. saying because yeah. yeah what they did was <laughs> just the most cowardly thing where it's like they just kind of sat in the middle it's like well now you suck but you're not bad enough to tank and you're nowhere near good enough to like have an upside to do anything so you're just kind of stuck at like yeah like what's the goal here sneak into the eighth seed get beat by Boston in five games and then do the same thing but worse next year like good luck so um the only other thing, I guess, in the East, and this honestly, this one is taking a bit of a dip. It looked like it might have been closer, but the Carolina Hurricanes look like they're going to win the Metro. 109.77 games. Devils are at 106 and 78, and the Rangers are at 103 and 78. So, um, obviously, seeding's kind of up for play here, but three points in between all three of those teams. It seems safe enough to bet that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be the uh, Metro winners, and the Devils will be hosting the Rangers uh, for game one of the playoffs. Obviously, it could switch, um, but I, I think... I feel pretty confident in the Carolina Hurricanes locking up this division for sure. And mm-hmm. then it'll it'll just come down to who has home ice. But uh, definitely one of the more boring races, other than the Atlantic. The, the top three in the Atlantic is the most set of the four divisions. It's, it's been set since, like, what, December? Like, yeah, uh, November? Literally. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and so that's what, like, I've ranted about this so many times. That's what I hate when I see people be like, Oh, the playoff format's fine. One V eight wouldn't change anything. Everyone would be playing the same thing, same people anyways. Like it's not about who they're playing that I have an issue with. Yeah. Like if you're Toronto, yeah, I I get it. It's not ideal playing Tampa in the first round, but you are going to have to play good teams eventually. Mm -hmm. So you got to freaking beat the good teams eventually, but it's more the fact that, yeah, since December, there's been like a 96% chance. These two teams play each other in this order. 
Whereas like, if you go to the one V eight, I think it was Jeff Belliette who had tweeted out, like there was 33 changes of who Toronto would play between January 1st and today. Tampa has been, and in the current playoff format, there's been zero because it's been Tampa the entire goddamn time. And like, obviously this is a bit of a higher extreme, but even, you know, just in general, like I just, I'd much rather the one V eight, I think would open up things a little more. And, um, you know, if you want to say your two conference winners are one and two, sure. I, I I don't really care. I just I think the one V eight would make it more exciting, and I don't understand why people are so against it. I I completely agree, and I think you hit it nail on the head. Of it's it's not about the the actual matchups themselves, because again, at the end of the day, it's it is decently likely that uh you know it should shake out kind of similar to, to each other. Um, but it's, it's just the suspense between it. Cause it's like, as soon as Boston goes on their starts going on their run, it's like, it's so obvious that it's going to be the, the Leafs and Tampa playing each other. Um, which again, it's not the issue about the matchup. It's the fact that we knew that it was happening in December. Uh, the whole point of being a fan is getting invested. I mean, obviously I'm not a, not a Leafs fan or a Tampa fan or anything like that, but I certainly didn't pay any attention to those two teams because I I knew both those teams were going to make playoffs and were going to be playing against each other. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't really avoid the Leafs stuff uh, living in Canada, but, um, you know, it, it just feels like it's it's so it's just so anticlimactic. It's so sad that when you, you, you pretty much just take away all meaning of of half of the season and, you know, most of the games in the season. Uh, feel very meaningless, especially when you get around, you know, the January, February time before the playoff race uh, really happens. Like those games are just so boring. And if you take even the extra little bit that you have of excitement out of it, of, you know, these games actually, you know, we're going to go up and down in the standings here and there. Like It's it's just no fun, uh, I find personally. So uh, I would love for them to go back to a one, one to eight, uh, you know, setup uh, i also think that this way we would probably potentially get better matchups but again it's not it, it, my issue isn't necessarily the first round matchups it's more the second round and how you kind of get like the first two the first two series are always the most interest or the first two rounds are always the most interesting ones and then after that i mean maybe it's also because you don't have hockey every single night necessarily i when do think later on, is, yeah part of that yeah, and and the fact that there's not a game on every single night where you're like, oh, you, you, the first the first night where you're in the playoffs and you're just like, oh wait, there's no games tonight is so it's such a strange feeling because it like you know it kind of becomes ritual almost. It's like oh, even if you're not watching necessarily, you'll throw it on in the background at least me for at least for me. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just I just wish we had a little less predictability in the in the league uh, right now and with the current format. Uh, it's pr- it's not a problem apparently. So according yeah, to well, Barry, you just you can't convince me it's good for business that the biggest market in the league fans do not care what happens for seventy of the eighty two regular season games because they are locked in knowing who they're playing. You know, and even if you want to take a step further, go the non Toronto route. The the New York Rangers have basically known that it's probably going to be the Devils, maybe the Hurricanes. It is only those two teams that they are going to be playing for over half their year as well. And it's just like, yeah, like it's just you you're just killing. Even if you kill, say three percent, four percent of the excitement of the fan base because of it. And honestly, I think there's an argument to say is more. Why would you want to kill those 4% when it doesn't do you any good? Like, you're not getting a benefit because of this, you know? And just, like, they they claim it builds rivalries up, but, like, 
I'm trying to think of one rivalry that this playoff system has like created more than a normal one would. I, yeah, I, I really can't. Like, I, I just, I really can't. You know, so yeah, I, I don't know. But the, anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to enjoy every second of playoff hockey as well. I, I throw it on the TV, and it is just on on my TV for seven hours straight every single night throughout the first two rounds, and I absolutely love it. So, um. I think that's a good place to wrap off. Uh, I think we hit basically every team that we need to. There's a couple teams still that aren't mathematically eliminated, but could be after tonight in Buffalo and Ottawa. Um, but Brady, thank you so much for joining me. Plug some stuff. Where can people find you and your work? Yeah, um, I obviously I'm, I'm on Twitter at uh, NHL Chunky is where I, I tweet my nonsense into the world. Um, but as far as podcasting and uh, and stuff goes, uh, I'm on uh, on SDPN uh, sports their uh, their game over Winnipeg. I'm one of the hosts along with my co-host uh, Alyssa Hood. Uh, so we do post game shows after every single Jets game. It's on the SDPN uh, YouTube channel. We're usually live, you know, five minutes after the game is over, and uh, we break it all down. We talk about the implications of the game. You know, break down this, that, or the other thing. Have a little fun. Uh, interact with the chat. Um, also, I do a podcast with Liss uh, on our own called Can't Each Size. We haven't uploaded in a while, but we are planning to get it back on the road again soon. Uh, but mainly Twitter and uh, and Game Over Winnipeg, especially if you're a Jets fan. Uh, come check us out and uh, we'll have a lot of fun chatting about the Jets and complaining and, and being sad when they lose eventually because it will happen likely. <laughs> yeah, uh, go check that out. I, I got to join the podcast uh, or the Game Over earlier this year and it was, it was so much mm-hmm. fun. So yeah, definitely can't uh, recommend checking that out enough. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and definitely have to have you uh, on again down the line. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find all my work at lastword.hockey.com, including my other podcast, the Last Word on Sends podcast, which is also available wherever you are listening to this. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, giving a thumbs up or a rating would mean a lot, uh, or just even a, a quick share with a friend. So um, thank you everyone so much for listening. I'll be back at you next week and very likely with some playoff previews, which is exciting. So have a safe week and I'll Talk to you all next week.